think my uh, I think my podcast needs a jingle. All the uh, all the good podcasts have jingles. Listen to this podcast about cars. Listen to me spitting these bars. This podcast is as addictive as SARS. Okay, it needs work. Um, how is everyone? Good. Glad to hear that. Um, yeah, it's Wednesday. It's been another week. Another. If, uh, when I come around to recording this a week after the previous one, it really highlights week goes by fast, but then it doesn't. Because it doesn't feel like a week ago since I last did this, but it was because it was last Wednesday. If that makes any sense. Anyway, um, it's been a has it been a quiet week for the car related world in me. Um, I think it has. Well, the weekend I went to the IVVCC, which stands for Irish Veteran Vintage Classic Cars Club, Cars and Coffee. Um, this is the first Cars and Coffee they've put on. It was in, what was the name of the Deer Park out in Hoth. Um, yeah, it was a it was a nice little couple of hours out and just some nice interesting cars there. Um, if you go onto my Instagram, car underscore no sore, car no sore. There's just an underscore between the car and the no sore bit to highlight the fact that it's an Instagram about cars. Um I put up they're all up there on my story. Um however the it being the first one will give them a benefit of the doubt. And they did message me as well to say the planning wasn't spectacular. Um cars started pulling up um out near this old kind of castle building they have there in Deer Park and then they it was some young fellow who set up the signs and an older gent was like, No, 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 this is not where everyone's supposed to be and she started taking all the signs down and then waving everyone further up the hill towards the uh, the golf course and hotel. But the thing is then when everyone got up to the golf course and hotel, the car park there was just in general use as it was. Um, so there wasn't really a whole lot of space for people with their classic and interesting cars to park. So a lot of people turned up, did a couple of laps and then left. Um, also, the weather was shit. And if you wanted to get a coffee, you'd need to box off about 30 to 40 minutes due to the queue. Um, but I say they didn't, I, I put up some things on, on my story and then they actually did message me on Instagram saying they will... Um, the next one will be in the middle of the summer at some point and they will make sure that there is more space available and that the catering uh, on site will be to a higher standard. Um, but no, look, it was a nice little couple of, couple of hours out with some interesting cars there, a good bunch of Alphas, uh, BMWs, there was a Lancia Thema 8.32, Jaggy type, um, a whole plethora of stuff. Um, go have a look at my Instagram or even their Instagram um, or any of Irish car spotters most of were there um, and you'll get all the uh, the fun times that happened uh, last time I spoke to you as well I, I was going to Vicker Street um, to go see Blind Boy which was uh, was interesting enough his guest was Oliver Callum him of uh, Callum's Kicks um, yeah it was a nice nice evening out um, bit, a bit of crack midweek um, but one thing I I spotted while I was in there, which I never noticed. Um, so there's two bars in Vicar Street. I'm sure anyone who's familiar with Vicar Street, there's the one you go in initially when you go in the door. It's in the right. It's the big bar. Um, but it was quite busy in there, so they were directing people down. There's another bar, kind of f- slightly further down. It would be kind of parallel to where the stage is almost. Um, and in there, and then down, tucked down in the very back corner, 
there's a an, an old MG um, the, the, the T series. I, I think is what would be called. It wouldn't be up to date with my my MGs or old British sports cars. But yeah, it's a little red MG T series. Um, even says the Vicar Mobile behind it. Um, I've been to Vicar Street. I, I've lost count of me. I've been to Vicar Street over the years for different um, bits of entertainment. Um, I've, ne- I've never noticed it there before. Um, I assume that car has moved or run and God knows how long. Um, but yeah, again, it's up in my stories there. If you check it, you'll have a flick through, you'll see it. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it was nice to have a small bit of uh, motoring frivolity while I was out catching some non-car related entertainment. I'm rambling as usual. Um, anything else? Um, oh yeah. One thing I, 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 there's a, there's a, Trinity College have a, 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 an amazing amount of buildings scattered around Dublin City. Obviously, the main college university itself has about 700 buildings in it, as it is. But then they have all these other buildings just scattered around the city centre. And there's one down in Grand Canal. Um, it's, the, it's called the Trinity Tech and Enterprise Unit or whatever. It's just like kind of red brick built in the 80s, I assume. Collection of buildings down Grand Canal and I was in there the other day and there's this absolute unit of an Aveco truck there um, I don't know what it was originally used for it hasn't moved in years it almost seems it's like it's almost like a, a garden ornament in the middle of the uh, this 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 um, this unit Trinity unit um, but it's just it's just it's a huge like it's a proper like again it's up in my stories it's a gigantic you know almost you know American style engine forward of the cab it's got big giant i'm gonna say like 50 inch tires it's an absolute beast of a thing it's uh, it's just big big trucks and industrial heavy machinery it's stuff that's you know the, the child of me still gets a a, a a sense of joy when i see stuff like that i don't know what it is well of course i know what it is it's it's that weird Obsession us car folk have with anything mechanical, um, but the big stuff, you know. Oh, I think all young boys and girls, some of them, love trucks and diggers and earth movers and stuff. And I don't think that ever goes away. Um, so if you do happen to be up around Grand Canal, um, nip into the Trinity Tech and Enterprise Center, and you'll see that beast of an Aveco, um, which for years I never knew was Italian. Um, Aveco doesn't. Well, now I think about it, Aveco does sound like an Italian word, but I don't know. I always thought they were kind of Scandinavian for some reason. I don't know why. I think it's because like a lot of the stuff they make is quite, it's quite uh, agricultural and and uh, ready to go off road, um, which I don't know just automatically makes me think of Scandinavia. But anyway, Echo Italian. Um, I'm still on the hunt for a car uh, to buy. I'm on the classifieds pretty much on a daily basis. Um, I, I just can't I can't find something I want to buy um, like I have I have between I could spend between five and six grand in a car um, you know if it's cheaper that's always good but everything is so overpriced at the moment it's just it's an absolute joke and like stuff like like a Fiat a Fiat 500 no sorry not a Panda um, you know Hundred thousand kilometer, ten year old uh, panda. Even a year ago, 
was a 1500 quid car now like if you go and look for one now you're looking at five grand and like i couldn't spend five grand on one 1500 quid absolutely five grand because it's all over inflated because well one inflation is at a at a, at a growing as at a what the word i'm trying to inflation is high at the moment but also then the the market is bad due to the lack of new cars and fucking delays with nct's etc 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 um because it's just not like if you spent five grand on a, on a panda now and then kept it for a year or so or a couple of years you're going to be in some serious negative equity um big time like you'd probably lose three grand which i'm not willing to lose three grand on a fiat panda um it's just i have something written down here what did i what's what i can't even read my own writing oh yeah so like i'm i I just i really need a car i i i love driving i love i love ownership i love the freedom of having a car um and yeah it's just it's so difficult like i know i I could i could just buy like you know spend two three grand on something but i'd be settling and again i think i'd i'd lose my arse on something because it's overpriced but i'd also probably be buying something that wouldn't really fill me with any joy and i think you can have fun in any car to be fair but i don't know but like I, i have a van with work which i'm allowed to bring home so i can use for my commute and although it's it's never been said that i can't use it for personal use i don't use it that often um but if i need it it's there so like it's fine it's a it's a peugeot partner which essentially is a berlingo and i have a lot of time for the berlingo don't don't come at me haters but um it's only methadone to the, the addiction that i want to fulfill of an actual car um I should probably just get a loan of about ten grand, and then I'll spend fifteen on a on a Boxster or something. I don't know. The market's just upsetting me. I know I've said this many times before, but it's just a terrible time to try and try and buy a car. Anyway, that's been my week in the world of the motor vehicle. Um, what's been going on in the news? Um, well, just today, um, the the new. Uh, flagship I suppose you would say Lamborghini has finally been revealed they've teased us with like the chassis and the engine and little bits of the interior but now they're showing us the full car it's the Lamborghini Revulto Revulto or E-V-U-E-L-T-O Revulto yeah it looks like a V12 Lamborghini clearly a lot of styling cues from that Cyan thing they brought out a couple of years ago, Cyan thirty seven or something it was called, a limited run, overpriced thing that they released. Um, yeah, it's kind of got like a very similar front end to that and rear end, but it's been tweaked a little bit. It kind of looks like if a hurricane had some incestuous sex with uh, that Cyan thing, and they gave birth to this. Um, so as we know, it's it's six point five liter V twelve um naturally aspirated well hybrid naturally aspirated with hybrid assistance four-wheel drive mid-engined the engine will be spun 180 degrees compared to the the uh the outgoing the which is the aventador isn't it yeah um 
due to the funky gearbox that it has that works with the hybrid system it needs the power to go this way that way whatever um yeah so look it's another it's another mid-engined uh v12 supercar which is is never a bad thing um lamborghinis wouldn't be my cup of tea they're a bit too over the top but the world's a better place for having it and um, you can see the engine which is always good because um access to engines and um, even just to look at them is becoming a a rare and rare thing like looking at a mclaren or even like a 911 you open up the back of a 911 you just see black plastic and some fans um so you can actually see the engine in this which is good because show it off naturally aspirated v12 and I can, I, it doesn't say but I'm, I'm only going by the pictures here but i think i think it might actually be completely open the engine a la the bugatti veyron i don't think there's any glass or anything um which wouldn't be great in a range in a range error but um yeah and then for the time you for the time you listen to this if anyone is listening you'll have seen this lamborghini revoluto um yeah check it out um long live long live the v12 supercar even though it won't because this is definitely going to be the last one um so the the ongoing uh debacle with combustion engined uh cars being sold within the eu obviously there's been the back and forth recently as to you know where they're going to be banned by 2035 or then there's been some kickback by some of the transport ministers within europe mostly germany blah 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 anyway so the the law has been passed um so no more co2 producing vehicles um can be sold in the eu after 20 after 2035 but there is an exemption for vehicles that run on carbon neutral synthetic fuels um which is good which means the combustion engine isn't quite dead as yet now the thing is these e-fuels so the probably the, the one of the biggest investors in the e-fuel technology currently is porsche and they have that big facility in chile i think it is um to to create uh, e-fuels um through some form of physics and chemistry which is way beyond my pay grade but at this stage they're currently producing about 160,000 liters of e-fuel per year which as i'm sure you can imagine is sweet fuck all um that would uh, from reading on the porsche website that would be about enough for them to fuel the porsche super cup um for a season um but they are hoping by the middle of the decade to ramp that up to about 550 million liters um which obviously is a big increase but again to put it in perspective last year uh the united states of america land uh they used 1.6 billion liters of petrol so uh, yeah so like if if so like obviously porsche i'm going to be the only per- person in the game so let's say all in porsche and then any other one any other people in the market for making e-fuels let's say there's a billion liters of synthetic e-fuel in the supply chain come say the middle of the decade i think that would work because the masses will be going towards evs and the manufacturers will be producing mostly evs and so there won't be as much a demand demand from the masses for uh, a combustible fuel so motorsport and then obviously um the mass transport trucks 
and aviation and stuff, they're going to need a lot of this fuel. But you'd like to hope there would be enough in surplus that for the enthusiasts who want to keep a classic or even just a who, who want to buy one more combustion engine car in 2034 to be able to keep it going for the foreseeable future. Um, but mostly for us enthusiasts, it'd be nice to know that there might be a supply to keep an old classic running and in a carbon neutral way. Um, okay, we might pay for it. You, you know, we're probably, maybe it could be three quid a litre. But I'd, I'd have no problem having some sort of emissionless vehicle as my daily driver and then something funky and classic with a combustion engine on the side. Anyway, it's a, it's, it's a somewhat positive and what is a bleak time for um, us, us suck, squeeze, bang, blow lovers. Um, but yeah, it's not over yet. And I'm taking it as a positive the wording of that EU legislation, um, CO2 producing vehicles not being produced after 2035 is kind of funny because anyone who thinks that a battery electric vehicle doesn't produce CO2 is living with their head in the sand because the electricity to fuel them, for starters, while some of it can come from renewable sources, a lot of it doesn't. And two, the production creates a lot of CO2 in itself. Don't get me wrong, it's good, I think, for no emissions to be coming out of the the back end um, for cars running around urban environments. I think there is a place for electric vehicles. Um, but to say that, this, that electric vehicles are this clean, green answer to a bigger problem is a bit of a misnomer. But anyway, that's enough of that um, because... I don't know what I'm talking about, really. Um, what else has happened in the world of motoring? Um, the DB12 has been seen spying, spy shot, shotted at the Nürburgring, which is obviously going to replace the DB11, um, which seems kind of soon to me, because um, stuff like, to me, I know like one of these things, as you get older, time passes faster, so it always seems like things happen a lot faster than they did in the past, but... Um, for me, the DB7 felt like it was around forever. Um, and then the DB9 was around for quite a number of years as well. Um, to me, the DB11 is is a, is still a new car. Um, but it was released in 2016. So what's that? Four, four five, six, seven years ago. Um, which doesn't seem like that long. I know, well... In, to some manufacturers, that will be a long life cycle. Um, for Aston Martin, it 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 doesn't it wouldn't seem to be a thing. And how long was the DB9? DB9 was 2003, 2017. So that's what a 14-year life cycle. And then the DB7, DB7 went. Well, the DB7 was only 10 years. Oh, but then again, see, it started in '94. I was only a I was only a wee sprog then. Um. So yeah, I don't know, seven years seems quite short. Now, I don't know when this DB12 is officially going to be launched. It probably would be shown at some point later this year and then launched next year, so eight years. But yeah, um, the the one that's been seen spied knocking around the, the Nürburgring, um, it's obviously all camoed up, but uh, it doesn't look it doesn't look a whole lot different to the DB11, which I, I, I like the DB11. I think it's a good-looking car. Um, Aston very rarely make ugly cars, to be fair to them. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, whether that will have a V12 in it now would be would be interesting to see, and um, because because unless Aston Martin are going to build their own V12, because 
I'm pretty sure Mercedes have phased out the V12 because the only thing they had it in was the S class, and I think that's now long no longer a thing. Um, so yeah, I think the 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 DB11 will probably be a V8 at most, possibly a six a V6 hybrid V6 of some sort. Um, but yeah, DB12 on its way. You heard it here first, or maybe you didn't because the news was announced a few days ago. Um, that's pretty much it. What else? Um, piston heads. I remember I mentioned a while ago. Um, piston heads. Piston heads is twenty five. Yeah, twenty five years old this year. Um, and a few weeks ago, I announced they they did a poll of what was the best sports car uh, built during the lifespan of the website, and it was voted the. The reason it peaked interest for me is because they had the uh, the the ND MX5 in there. It was number five, and I rented one for about 30 minutes um, when I was in Germany a few weeks ago. Um, but the number one was the um, the Lotus Lease. Um, so they did it for hot hatches um, after that, and the, uh, the, the winner of that was announced um, within the last week. Um, and the winner was the GR Yaris. Um, followed closely by the Clio 182 Trophy. Um, there was over 10,000 votes. I think there was only 100 and something in it between uh, the GR Yaris and the, the Clio 182 Trophy. Um, so yeah, I, I, I remember I, I, I did vote. I think I voted while I was recording a podcast. Um, so you could all play along with me. Um, you were allowed to pick three out of a short list of, I think it was 30 or 40 cars. Um, I do know I, I did I did vote for the Yaris I did vote for the, the Clio Trophy and I think my other vote went to the, the Mark V Golf um, which is interesting because obviously then I think I mentioned but I don't know if I remember but anyway um, the intercooler um, recently in, um, brought Steve Sutcliffe into the fold as part of as one of their riders and he started off with um, he started off with who's ringing me apologies I got disturbed by a phone call arseholes um, what was I talking about yeah um, so yeah, the intercooler brought in Steve Sutcliffe as a writer, and the first thing he he wrote about was um, cars that are overrated, and the first one he went with was the GR Yaris. Um, and don't get me wrong, I, I have a lot of time for Steve Sutcliffe, and you know his opinion is certainly va- uh, his opinion should be should be taken on board. But you know these things are subjective. But he's the only person I've ever seen put pen to paper uh, or fingers to keys or whatever way the modern equivalent of writing things down is um, to say the the GR Yaris is, is overrated. I know someone who, who has one um, who also has a 360 Challenge to Dali in their, um, in their garage and they love their GR Yaris. Um, anyone else I know who's driven one says it's fucking brilliant. Um, I think he kind of missed the mark really with his criticism um he's saying like oh you know they should have went all out which they kind of did because it's it's pretty much a bespoke car and um, i'm pretty sure the only thing that, that's carried over is something like the door handles and the fucking roof area or some shit from the regular yaris um and like taking you know as sterling into account here um if i'm not mistaken i think you know it, it the starting price for a GR yaris is about 30 grand um so like yeah, it's a great car, and I think the 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 fact that it won best hot hatch over the last twenty five years um, from the readership of Pissonheads, who are a who are a pedantic and hardcore bunch of 
motor enthusiasts um, says a lot more than the than the writing of one old motoring hack. Um, as much as I respect him, um, I think he may have been talking out his hole. And the intercooler are kind of printing these stories as a bit of clickbait to get people to try and subscribe to their uh, app. Um, that's actually so. Like the, they they put up the top twelve. Which I haven't actually looked at here, so we'll, we'll again we'll go through this together. Um, so in twelfth position, Peugeot one hundred six Rally, cool car. Uh, Eleven, the Peugeot three hundred six Rally. Um, Ten, Volkswagen Golf R Mark Seven. Nine, Ford Focus RS Mark One. Made a mine out of one of them. Beast of a thing. Um, eight, Volkswagen Golf GTI Mark Five. Seven. Uh, Fiesta ST Mark 7 uh, 6 M140i so that beat out the Mark 5 Golf GTI and the Fiesta ST and the Focus RS that's an interesting one um, I haven't driven one I'm sure they're great but really? okay so it is rear wheel drive which is fun um, number 5 Renault Sport Megane 275 Trophy again I haven't driven one but I'm sure that's absolutely brilliant um, four Honda Civic Type R FK8. Uh, number three Civic Type R EP3. I have driven one of them and it's brilliant. Um, and then we have the Clio 182 Trophy and the winner the, the GR Yaris. So the next vote that they're going for is the best saloon of the past 25 years. So like the hot hatch, let's play this game together. Um, see the selection and vote here we go for your top three here. So okay again similar enough. There's a large enough short list here. Um, I'll run through it quickly. Alfa Romeo 156 GTA, Alfa Romeo Giulio Quadrifoglio, uh, Alpina B5, Alpina B3, Aston Martin Rapide S, Audi RS4 B5, Audi RS4 B7, Audi RS6 C5, RS6 C7, Bentley Mosan Speed, uh, BMW M5 E39, uh, M5 E60, M5 CS F90, M3 E46, uh, E90 M3, G80 M3, uh, Ford Mondeo ST220, Honda Accord Type R, um, Jaguar XJR, X308, XJR 575, Jaguar XF4, Kia Stinger GTS, Lexus ISF, Lexus GSF, Maserati Quattroporte, uh, C63S, Mercedes AMG, AMG E63S, C63 AMG W204, uh, Lancer Evo 8 Lance, no sorry 7 um, Lancer actually speaking of Evo 7s I just noticed there's one there on done deal um, but slightly modified the guy's looking for 40 grand for mental um, Lancer Evo 9 Panamera GTS Taycan Turbo S Rolls Royce Phantom the uh, the one the first BMW one Impreza Turbo um, GC8 so the one from around the year 2000 uh, super impressive blah boy WRX STI and the Vauxhall VR, VXR8 um, well first off the bat M5 E39 thank you um, I'm going to vote for the B7 Audi RS4 because my mate has one and Avant I'm not going for saloon cars here but we're going to assume the Avant is included in that um, and what else here now uh, E46 M3 go on uh, ooh Quattroporte no let's be realistic here I'm just going to go with that. Didn't put a lot of thing, thought, thought into that, but there we go. Voted for. Do it yourself. Play along. Pissing heads. You'll see it there. Okay. 
Um, motorsport. Um, I what was there? Oh yeah, the MotoGP was on at the weekend. Um, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and follow the entire MotoGP season this year. Um, I fell off the bat with it. I've I've, I've dipped my toe in over for geez, for decades now with MotoGP and whatever the fuck they called it before they called it MotoGP. Um, but I'm gonna try and watch the full season this year. So I did. I did manage to get the first race in, which was in Portimao in Portugal. Um, and I didn't realize actually um, that MotoGP have embraced the the world of the sprint race, a la Formula One. Um, who Formula One who actually who are actually a, a sponsor of MotoGP now as well. It's hard to keep up with, with things these days, but uh, yeah. But I watched the main event, and um, Mark Marquez. Um, he managed to stick his Honda on pole, which was interesting because um, from preseason testing, the Honda did appear to be a little bit off the pace. But Mark Marquez, um, he certainly is some peddler, um, and he managed to get the put it on pole. Um, but then come the race start, he fell back, I think, to fourth, and in an audacious move, I think it was on lap three or four, pretty early on anyway, um, he tried to. He tried to outbreak whoever it was, I can't remember exactly who it was, who was in third. Um, and he was way too late in the brakes and he clipped whoever it was in third. Um, and then he went into second place, into the back of second place rider um, Miguel Oliveira. And he absolutely took him out. Um, it, was, it was nasty. Uh, the two of them were out of the race. Um, but uh, Oliviera certainly took the worst of the, the smack. Um, Marquez knew he was in the wrong straight away, to be fair, but it was a silly, silly move. And Miguel Oliveira is Portuguese, so he knocked out the, the home hero who was looking, if not for the win, he certainly was going to be on the podium. Um, yeah, so Mark Marquez, he went straight down and apologised to the team, um, but the crowd were not happy. Um, and just justifiably so, because it was a silly, silly mistake. Um, he is being penalised for it. He's going to have two long laps, which I'm not 100 percent sure what that means. Because again, I've been I've been a little bit lackadaisical with my following of the MotoGP. I think that might be essentially you do a lap and you do a, a drive through through the through the pits um, to give yourself a long lap. Essentially, um, I could be wrong. Feel free to correct me on that one. But uh, yeah, so if you like, he's going to get two long laps, but he. Uh, Marquez isn't going to be at the next race in Argentina um, because he has to get uh, surgery on uh, a, a broken meta something or other in his right hand. I'm not sure if that was was because of the crash he had or it's an ongoing because he's he's getting over a, a, a plethora of injuries is Mark Marquez. Um, but yeah, but he's going to have to serve then his penalty in the following race, which is going to be in Coda, Circuit of the Americas in Austin. Um, but also, unfortunately, the the man he hit, Miguel Oliveira, um, he's also going to miss um, Argentina due to the injuries he sustained in that accident. Um, so, yeah, Mark Mark Marquez has uh, you know he's going to have to he's going to have to kind of fucking reel himself in a bit. His bike is probably not the fastest, and he kind of his uh, his ambition outweighed his talent, and um, it doesn't look good for him. Um, but he's a great racer, so um, and the racing in MotoGP is brilliant. So the the results of the race was uh, Peko Banyaya, Bang, how do you spell Banyaya um, for Ducati, 
uh, he romped away with it. Um, he's the reigning world champion, if my memory serves me correct. Um, yeah, he romped away with it on the Ducati. Um, not miles ahead, but he was definitely managing um, for the whole race. Uh, he finished ahead of Mar- Maverick Vinales on the on the Aprilia. And then the guy in third, I've actually never heard of before, um, Marco Bezzici, I think that's how you pronounce it. He's racing for Mooney uh, VR, VR46, which is uh, Valentino Rossi's uh, MotoGP team. Um, the best battle near the end after, unfortunately, Marquez taking out himself and Olivier, but he took away a bit of excitement from the front of the uh, front of the pack. But um, there was a good, excuse me, burping, um, there was a good battle between Brad Binder, Jack Miller, and Alex Marquez, who is uh, Mark Marquez's brother. Um, right at the final corner, uh, Alex Marquez went for a, a similarly ambitious move to his brother, um, but he made this one work. Um, he overtook Miller and Binder um, to go from what that mean up from seventh up to fifth um, on the last lap. It was, it, was, that was, it was a great move. They were having a great battle for a good few laps, um, so it was a good. It was a good uh, battle. And then uh, Fabio Quattararo, who was the champion in 2021, uh, the young Frenchman, he finished eighth on the Yamaha. Um, yeah, so good racing. Um, the next race is in, as I said, in Argentina, which I think is in two weeks' time. Um, yeah, MotoGP. If you don't watch it, give it a go because the racing is incredible. Um, Formula One, uh, we have Melbourne coming up this weekend. Um be interesting to see how that all plays out. I say interesting, it'll probably be Max's point proof after his, even though he finished second and got the fastest lap to him, that would have been a bad weekend in Jeddah due to his mechanical issue we had in qualifying. So he's going to be out uh, with a point proof, which means he'll probably be fastest in every single session and walk away with the race in Melbourne. Um, Melbourne does tend to give some good racing, um, to be fair to us. Um, it's a very different track to the first two we've had. Um Ferrari tend to go well in Australia, um, so hopefully they might have a better weekend than they've been having so far. Um, I feel it's going to be, it'll be max off into the distance. Checo will be second, but a good bit down the road. And I'm just going to put it out there, I think Leclerc is going to get a podium this weekend. That might be wishful thinking, but I'm going to put my, going to put my, my money where my mouth is now and say we're going to have Charles Leclerc on the podium because I say Ferrari tend to go well in Australia. So let's see. Um, apparently, they are going to have a, a fairly, f- quite a significantly revised car come Imola, which I think Imola may be after Australia. Um, I'd have to double check that. Um, yeah, so we shall see. Um, and it'd be interesting to see a few other a few other teams and drivers do would would hope to have a, a good weekend after a couple of poor uh, races at the opening of the season. McLaren being one of them. Um, yeah, let's see. Let's see how it goes. Um, the predictability of Red Bull running away with things um, makes me think: like, will I bother getting up? Because it being Australia, it's going to be. Um, I think it's. I think it's on a five a.m. Um, just double check that. I have a thing. It's great. Um, F one calendar dot com. I think it is. It, it converts the race to all the session times into your local time, and you can actually sync it then to the calendar on your phone. Very handy. Right. Why don't I check it while I'm here? Um, but yeah, um, I was almost like, will I bother getting up, um, or will I just have a lie in? Um, but I'd be kidding myself if I said I'm not going to get up because um, I'm a bit too dyed in the wool uh, of a Formula One fan not to get up and watch this stuff. Um, 
Because according to this, it's 6 a.m. Okay, it won't be too bad. Um, yeah, I probably will. Plus, there doesn't seem to be as many um, early morning races as there once was, I think. Um, it seems if, if In my youth, I, I seem to remember getting up early more often. Um, but yeah, so Australia, Japan, I think then, then that new Las Vegas race this year, that's going to be an early start for us because it's going to be... It's going to be I, think, I think the race is going to be on at 9 p.m. local time in Nevada. So, what, they're eight hours behind us. So, what would that be? I don't know. It's going to be early in the morning anyway. Um, yeah, I was almost like, you know, it's it, it's almost going to be such a foregone conclusion um, that I wasn't going to bother. Um, I wasn't going to bother getting up for it, but I'm, I'm sure I will. Um, but hopefully it's an entertaining race. Um, there's going to be four DRS zones. Um, so there could be a lot of just straight line overtakes. Um, but we shall see. Look, let's stay positive. Let's stay positive. Um, okay, so I'll round out as I normally do with my three things of the week and uh, my classified find of the week um is a 1966 um there's that evo again i was just talking about it. a mitsubishi lancer evo 7 200,000 kilometers on it 2001 it's got an nct and stuff um, and a bit of tax and i said it's, it's modified 406 horsepower like it's a, it's a good nick car but 40 grand are you mad someone i don't know will someone pay 40 grand for that seems like a lot of money like it's not even like a special Evo Seven um, limited edition run, or whatever do you want to put it? Um, but yeah, um, no. But the car I was looking at, um, it's a nineteen sixty six Mark One Cortina fifteen hundred, a super fifteen hundred. Um, so nothing like it's not a Lotus Cortina or anything like that. Um, but it looks like again, judging by the photos, it's an absolutely immaculate condition. Now we don't see the underside of it, but the the exterior, the interior, um. He's shown us inside the boot, inside the bon- or in, uh, under, the, under the hood, the engine bay. Everything looks absolutely, absolutely immaculate. Um, manual, um, 12,750 euro, um, 48,000 miles in it, which I'm not sure if that's original mileage or it's since a rebuilt. But um, that seems like a decent, like that seems like good value for what is essentially a 50 year old. Uh, vintage car and a, a, a well-loved vintage car and um, the Ford Cortina Mark 1 um, like I'd sooner spend 12,750 euro on that than like I don't know a fucking 8 year old Dacia Duster um, with 170,000 kilometres on it and no NCT um, so yeah that's a one done deal if you want to check it out uh, 1966 Mark 1 Cortina 1500 again won't take you long to find it. Um, the YouTube channel I'm going to recommend this week. Um, I know I, I, I recommended a movie last week. Um, I watched John Wick last night for the first time because it's just one of the things that just, it just passed me by. I never got around to doing it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's fun. There's some nice cars in it. He gets his uh, his boss Mustang stolen off him. Spoiler alert. At the beginning of the vi- uh, near enough to the beginning of the movie. Um, and he has it replaced by a Camaro SS, which he takes a lend off, lend off of, off of a friend. Um, and then he gets given a modern day Dodge Challenger. Anyway, it's all American stuff, which again, I'm not, I'm not fully up to date with. Anyway, I'm going off topic. Um, yeah, the YouTube channel I'm going to recommend is VHS Rallies. Um, it's just, uh, it's just guy who just uploads and remasters uh, remasters old uh, rally footage and um, but proper like 
you know full length tv footage um for example like the most recent video he's put up is the is the full 40 minute broadcast of the 1975 benson hedges circuit of ireland rally um yeah like it's no like it's no flim flam it's just original footage with like original commentary yeah check that out vhs rallies on youtube great content that will see you waste years of your life and then the music i'm recommending for you this week is uh the newest song by the national uh, it's called eucalyptus um, it's a, the second single they brought out ahead of their newest album um if you love the national you'll love this if you don't like the national maybe it'll sway you if you don't like the national it probably won't i like the national going to see them in september when they're playing in dublin i think they're great um my friend's teenage daughter um sent him a link to the to the uh to the announcement of the gig a few months ago and quite funnily she goes uh do you want to go see some old middle-aged man talking to a microphone for two hours which to be fair is a pretty apt description of the national but selling them a little bit short um okay yeah so i'm going to leave it there now another shitty rambly podcast about bollocks and um, if you have listened i love you and um be safe be well and i'll talk to you again soon bye